1: Lonnie, I feel like we need to clear up some things on the podcast. Mm -hmm. We've been hinting at this for a few episodes. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go back in our message chat and I'm going to see all the times that we referred to this movie, okay? Because you keep telling the people of the pod that I'm badgering you to go see this or was badgering you to go see this.
0: Because you were, yes.
1: Okay. On the 25th of January... I sent a message saying I saw After Sun is playing on the 1st of February all around Australia. They're doing a same time release thing. And this relates to, we've previously discussed, seeing movies that are shown at the same time because I think we thought Empire of Light was or something before we realised and how cool that could be. So that's what that's referencing. Just FYI.
0: That was just an FYI. It wasn't, are you going to go see was... it? It was just, it was just, no. hey.
1: Then I booked to see Aftersun on the first of Feb and I think I even looked to check that you yours was on James Street. And then on the twenty seventh of January, are you going to see After Sun and fall in love with Paul Meskell like the rest of the internet? You said yes, looking forward to it. To me, that says that you had booked in that ticket on the first of February.
0: <laughs> to me that says at some point in the future I will see After Sun. Also, potentially, I thought when you said it's coming out on the 13th or whatever, that that was, like, when it was coming out. Right. In general. I didn't realise it was a special screening.
1: I see. I don't know if I approve this. Yeah, go on. The- <laughs> no, go, go for it.
0: You're like, I want a ticket. I'm like, good for you, Sine. That's good.
1: Yes, exactly. Just That's- live yes. continue
0: living my life. You <laughs> Not me, even- it a
1: thumbs up to the comment. You're like, Cool. No knowledge of the fact. I,
0: I thought you were just keeping me updated with your life. Like, That's good to know. a basic
1: man thing where it's like, oh, I'd really like a new bracelet for my birthday. Okay, cool. Doesn't buy you the new bracelet. All, thinks that you're we just We all want a lot of things.
0: Them. We all want a lot of things in life, <laughs> Oh my God. And then I, I tried to see it a few times and it didn't work out.
1: <laughs> I've never. But I finally got there. Okay, let's do it. I, I'm so keen to talk about this film.
0: Can I say one more thing before we start? Go for it. This is the first time I've seen Paul Mescal on anything, right?
1: Mescal. I'll just correct you there.
0: Mescal, sorry. Yeah. And here's my thing.
1: Mm.
0: I've said it before. I'll say it again. There are some guys where it's like, oh, my God, look at me. Ten years with this, this crazy dude. And then it's just Paul. I think it's just Paul. He's a very normal looking dude. And I think that's part of his charm.
1: It is part of his charm. Right? Why. Yep.
0: But also, he's just Paul.
1: Well, can we just. Let's start the podcast, please.
0: Okay. <laughs> Hello there. This is I Only Like You and Movies and Paul Mescal. Mescal?
1: Mescal. And let's screw it up straight away. I don't know. People are pronouncing it Mescal, <laughs> but he has corrected meskell. Jimmy Kimmel. It's Mescal.
0: Okay. Mescal. Mescal. My name's Lonnie. Her name's Sine. You're a big, big Mescal fan, I see.
1: Okay, Lonnie, I have been waiting years, not really months, to film this podcast so that I can tell you something. I'm going to reveal something to you. Are you ready?
0: Are you and Paul dating? Did he leave Phoebe for you?
1: Okay, Phoebe left him firstly. And
0: for both, right?
1: We're on Paul's side for that, just okay. clearly. Okay.
0: Oh, right. Okay. Lonnie, mm. what's up?
1: I watched Normal People.
0: You did. Good I for watched
1: you. Normal People, and I loved it so much that I watched the entire series three times in one week, and I have now <laughs> seen the series seven times total.
0: What do you mean, Sinead? Why are you? Lonnie, why are you? What's? Why?
1: What? I. No, I, I I seriously cannot is, believe I've waited this long to tell you this. Because, when
0: when did this happen? Give me give me dates.
1: Um, I think it was the first house that I did when I came back. So this would have been Feb, January, February.
0: <laughs> I don't know. The real, this this just this year.
1: Yes, this year. Yes, this year.
0: You you watch it seven times this year.
1: Yes, Lonnie. I've watched this whole series seven times this year.
0: It's only March, Sinead. How have you watched it seven times?
1: Lonnie, I cannot... Did you quit your job? I (laughs) love that show with every fiber of my being. I Mm. love it. It is my favorite show ever. Ever? Ever. Above Fleabag, above Vampire Diaries, above Grey's Anatomy, ever.
0: You hate Breaking Bad. Wow.
1: I like normal people more. It's incredible. Mm. And you know how we were mm. like, oh, we can't watch it because it's so sad. It is sad, but it's only sad in certain moments, it's not like the whole thing's sad. And also, yeah. when you get super sad at the end episode, you just pretend, you just stop your play before that end scene, and you're like, everything's fine. We don't have to worry about it. We don't have to think about things like that. Anyway, so I had seen Paul in normal people. Absolutely loved him.
0: Seven times, yeah.
1: Obviously, we're taking his side in the Phoebe-Bo Burnham thing because the Bo thing creeps me out a bit. She's very mm. young, I don't like that. And then... Isn't she,
0: like, our age?
1: <laughs> no, How old he, is she? isn't he older?
0: He's, like, only 30-odd.
1: Oh, okay, fair enough. I thought there was a big yeah. age difference. Anyway, my point is I'm in love with Paul mm. and... But I, I'm not, I'm not in love with him like the way the internet's in love with him, and I'm more. Oh, uh, yours I'm, is different, is it? I'm in love with Connell, not Paul. I think because Paul, he's cut his hair into that stupid mullet that all the freaking Gen Z <laughs> men wear their hair in, and it's so unattractive and disgusting, and that's just completely like knocked me off the bandwagon. But anyway, I was thrilled to hear about this film, and I was so excited to see it, and oh my god, is it phenomenal, or what?
0: Have you seen it seven times?
1: I have not seen the film seven times, no.
0: Well, I want to wait until you see it seven times.
1: But I actually am planning I know to go thoughts. back to the cinema to see it again.
0: <laughs> Six more times. Wow. Back to back to back.
1: So there's my my big revelation for you. So okay. you said this is the first thing you've seen him in. What did you think? And he's just
0: he's just Paul. He's just a regular dude. I liked him. I liked him a lot. Mm-hmm. Um and this this film it's a real actors film isn't it yeah it cuz and i think my my small issues with the film mm. we've got to tread carefully here you do <laughs> around the name, yeah was that i think i was expecting something a little bit different yes um but then reading about it talking to you hearing your your love for it and the ways you've been discussing it sort of off pod mm-hmm. I've come to find a new appreciation for it because it's kind of not so much a hangout film it's just sort of a glimpses into this life yes. of these two people yeah. and and then you know some sort of playing with memory and how that sort of functions throughout your life um, I liked a lot more but in the moment I think I was just trying to reconcile what I thought I was going to get and what I did get. And I think I'd watch it, I'd like it a lot more on the second go around because, again, we're going to get into spoilers, so I'm going to go through it now. Mm-hmm. There are so many times where this really beautiful little girl is put in dangerous situations and I was so anxious for her. Mm. She's hanging around these older kids, alcohol, she's off by herself. Her, her dad is quite troubled, Paul's quite troubled and isn't always looking out for her the best way. And I thought for sure she was going to get into some sort of strife. Yeah. I was quite anxious about that, to be honest, and I think maybe more so because she looks a little bit like uh, one of our beautiful nieces. So I was, like, particularly um, sort of worried for her. Mm. But I think looking back at, at another time, sort of knowing what happens, I think I would have even more appreciation for what did happen.
1: Yes. Okay, so we'll talk about the film. The film was directed by Charlotte Wells, um, mm. and it's a, essentially a semi-autobiographical film. Um, but she's spoken a lot in interviews about how not necessarily the events in the film actually happened in real life, but Mm. she was trying to capture the feeling of what that experience was for her with her father. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess we're going into spoilers?
0: Straight into it, I reckon.
1: So her father committed suicide after this trip. And knowing that going into this film, you can see every little um, piece of groundwork that is laid to leave you with that conclusion at the end of the film. This film completely floored me. Um, I sat in my car after seeing it for 20 minutes and just cried, just completely cried because I live with mental illness I experienced suicidal ideation from time to time. And wow, was it cathartic to see that reflected on screen. Um, I thought this film was absolutely phenomenal. It was the Guardians film of the year. I'm just looking at our chat. You said, I saw the movie and I responded with dot, dot, dot. And you said, didn't hate (laughs) it, but not sure I loved it. (laughs) I...
0: Slap in the face. Sorry.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I genuinely, (laughs) you know, like, I think you said it. It didn't quite grab you emotionally, but you enjoyed the performances. Mm. I, for me, like, felt uh, this movie isn't the movie. This movie, like, I've never seen a movie like this before, where the things that are eliminated from the film the things that aren't in the film are the actual film do you know what i'm trying to say
0: what are you trying to say
1: i'm trying to say that the bits of the story that the film leaves out the background Mm. we all know what it is but it's never told to us what it is all those gaps between the moments we know what happened we know that he's obviously become a young dad, and there's some issues that have happened in his life, and he's not in a good place. But there's never a scene where he's like, "I'm really struggling at the minute, and I'm not really doing very well." Like all the all the um, edits, all the edited out sections of the film is what the film is trying to say, you know?
0: Yeah, it was very it was confident enough that we'd pick it up.
1: Yeah, yeah. They
0: didn't need a sort of hand hold our hand all the way through.
1: Yeah, and there's those beautiful moments towards the end where it's obviously, you know, a depiction of Charlotte as an older person holding the camera, obviously filming the whole thing. Like, it's very metatextual. Um, and you even mentioned, like, the rave with the dream where she's trying to connect to him at the party, but she can't quite get there. And it's not,
0: mm-hmm. you know, the,
1: these little snapshots of their relationship, for me, tell me more about their relationship than... A fully narrative-driven three-act structure, dialogue-heavy film.
0: Yeah, it's very much a snapshot. It's a memory. It's like thinking back to what what happened, yeah. and sometimes you remember the little things, like how your dad um, helped you with your sunscreen on, the, on your back. And other times, it's it's more about the meal you had or, or the the in-depth conversation you had. Yeah. It's all sort of. That's how it plays out as you, as your memory would. And the fact that they've she's got these uh, video tapes of the yeah. of their journey, and so she can she can very much piece together some things because it's there that she can watch. Yeah. But also it's, it's the memory, and the fact that in a dream sequence when she's at the rave, mm-hmm. he has an age today. He's exactly the same age as he was back then.
1: Yeah.
0: Because he he's always that age to her.
1: Yeah, he'll always be that age because he's not here anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm just reading. Like um, Charlotte calls it an emotionally autobiographical film, rather than mm. you know these event strictly these events happened at this particular time, it's this particular date. But I think I think you know they went on a holiday and they had these moments. But you know they're not necessarily mm. played out as as they do in the film. Um, there's so many moments in the film that I want to discuss, but I think I I think we should probably talk about Frankie Corio, who mm-hmm. plays um the daughter sophie this is her first acting role in anything Mm. what the um how (laughs) is she actually perfect and incredible and wonderful and has this most beautiful quietness to her performance but also really authentic i didn't see a moment where she was acting like she was just the little girl
0: i know and she's so sharp yeah too too clever really yeah. It's funny. They call this a coming-of-age film Wikipedia, and I think it is. Yeah. But I think even more so it's probably a pre-coming-of-age film. It is, yeah. Because she's she's only, like, 11, so she's kind of she's just starting cool. to see what will happen.
1: Yes, yeah. And
0: she's watching the sort of teenagers around her and what, what they're getting up to. And, like, you know, she has a kiss with a boy, but she's not really into it, but it's like that's yeah. the next step of, of what she's going to be yes. entering into soon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the fact that I, I don't think it was like... Well, actually, you, you probably could make this argument that she seems a bit sharper than her dad. And I think she's starting to realise that as well. that Yeah. that and, and and I think she's starting to pick up that he's got some issues going on. Yes. Which before now she would not have probably... Because you know, she's been a little girl.
1: Yeah.
0: And so, yeah, I, I I thought that was an amazing dynamic and... Yeah. Obviously, they've, they've had to do a lot of work in the the direction of this film because it lives and dies on the central connection between on the, the chemistry two. chemistry
1: between them, yeah. Mm-hmm. So she she was cast. I've got a lot of info. I've got a bunch of articles I'm going to link in the show notes and I've watched pretty much every interview on YouTube because I'm so in love with it. Um, they went and hung out together, Paul and, and Frankie, at a resort where they were about to shoot the film for two weeks mm. and her parents were good enough to let him sort of parent her for those two weeks so he would get her breakfast ready and he would chat with her and like the parents were there obviously it wasn't Mm. like a creepy method thing but it was just for them to establish a connection and a relationship before they and to become comfortable with each other before they started filming the show Mm -hmm. and i think that really definitely paid off in in how connected they feel and they're still friends to now which is amazing um just what you were saying about you know her her desperation almost to grow up you know looking at these other teenagers and really Mm. wanting to be them and be included in them and i remember being that age and feeling like i hate being a kid i just want to be older where you can make your own decisions Mm. and things seem so much easier and of course you don't realize until you're an adult or until you're older you don't want that at all no one ever wants that (laughs) there's there's two beautiful moments in the film that I think speak to what you said about the sharpness and and her picking up on things more than her dad, perhaps there's the heartbreaking scene of the karaoke where he won't sing with her, um, which is just a devastating scene, you know? And Mm -hmm. he says, he sort of tries in a half-hearted way to say, well, if you're interested in singing, we can get you some lessons. And she says, stop offering to pay for things that I know you can't afford. And I think he realizes mm. at that point he thought he was hiding that really well, mm. but he wasn't at all. She picks that up immediately. Um, and the other the other scene that does that is the one where they're scuba diving and she loses her mask and she apologizes to him really graciously and says, I know that was expensive, so I'm really sorry. And mm. he's sort of taken aback by that a bit. He's like, well, how do you know that I'm having issues with money? Like how... How did you know about all this stuff, you know? And there's that scene where they they run out of the dinner, right? Because he can't afford it. Yeah. So they just leave. Oh. I just think this movie is an absolutely exceptional piece of cinema. I- totally. <sighs> yeah.
0: What at that point you just made this Sinead, about mm. the the issues, the money issues. You get the sense that he's probably stretched his budget to even give her this yes holiday.
1: But he's done it but, because he's made he sacrifices because yeah. he loves her and he wants to be with her. Yeah. Yeah. There's also that beautiful scene where they're having the mud bath um, mm. that Paul's spoken about. So um, he, I think he, I can't quite remember what the conversations that he's talking to her about, but it, it's quite, oh, I remember what it is. So you said you were anxious about her welfare. There is that moment where, you know, he goes on a bender and completely begets he has a kid she can't get back into the room and so she falls asleep on the couch and eventually Mm -hmm. is able to get inside and he's naked laying on her bed so she just curls up on the couch and sort of waits for the morning Mm. and he tries to have a conversation with her about it and address it and apologize and she doesn't respond and she starts putting mud on him that bit was Mm. improvised so um paul spoke about frankie in that moment was acting exactly like how sophie would because they're that age it's like i don't want to talk about feelings this is uncomfortable let's make it fun Mm. let's start slapping mud on each other as a way Mm. to sort of avoid that oh i just think that's so beautiful but that whole sequence is devastating isn't it when he he can't show up for her for whatever reason he just can't because he's struggling with his own stuff and he wants so badly to be such a good dad but he just can't
0: I know. And like, yeah, you said before that he was a, a young dad. He you could probably read into that that was unplanned. Yeah. In whatever capacity. But he has tried to step up to the plate, it seems. He has. But he's sort of buckling under that pressure. Yeah. And he doesn't spend much time with her either. No. Because he's living with the, the mum most of the time. And so he's trying to make the most of it. But also it's clearly, it's tough for him to be doing this. hmm yeah, yeah, he's still trying. He's still really trying really hard. And there was that really, I remember that moment, I think it was in the same bit with, with the, the mud bath, mm-hmm. where he tries to tell her, sorry about last night, and she's yeah, she's ignoring him, and like, yes. whatever. And he's like, no, it wasn't right. I need to tell you this, it wasn't right. And I, I think that's the thing where she probably in the moment didn't think much of it or tried to ignore it, but mm-hmm. then that is something you would think back to a lot that's as an adult. With
1: her. Yeah, as a memory, yeah, for sure.
0: Because parents aren't supposed to apologize. They're supposed to be always right you know, yeah. and so the fact that he was doing that, that would be weird.
1: But it shows an emotional maturity that he had at that age, mm. even as a young dad, that he knew he had to address that with his daughter and...
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, I was just so yeah. beautiful.
0: And the fact that he has been such a young dad and making a go of it, yeah. is that really quite... I mean, he's we talking to another bloke on the boat. Mm-hmm. He says something about, I, I didn't think I was going to get to 30 and I won't even get to 40. Yeah you're like, so, so, but you've got a daughter at the same time, man. Yeah. And he, he sort of must be such inner turmoil going on inside of him the whole time. And it, he lets it out at one point with the sobbing by himself in the hotel room.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But. You, you, you're terrified for it at certain points, right? You're worried it was going to turn into... Oh, for sure. She Richard gets is... goes missing or is preyed upon or something, right?
1: I thought for sure with those older teenagers that she was with, something bad was going to happen there. But um, I guess, you know, you could read into that as a meeting from the film, you know. But that sense of danger and uncertainty is important, mm. I think, in the context of, of their relationship and understanding... Mm the security or lack of security that she feels sort of because of him in a way. Mm. I just think.
0: Yeah, and it it does also set like Mm -hmm. early 2000s-ish, which is maybe a little bit different time of Stranger Danger and stuff, you know. Yeah. But still, yeah.
1: Yeah, I was just having a look at some of the um, critical response quotes that are on Wikipedia and um, Carlos Aguila says, it evokes a radiant melancholia. For me, mm. that sums up really what what the emotional vibe of the film is. Like it's this really sort of fluid, retrospective, introspective, empathetic thought of, of who our parents actually are and our perception of who they are, our memories of things that they did. But then memories aren't 100% reliable either, you know, It's just such a heartbreaking story. Um, And Paul, of course, has been nominated for an Oscar for this, which is incredible. He's come onto the scene in the last, what, two or three years, had a breakout smash hit for normal people and won the BAFTA for that, and now he's been nominated for an Academy Award for the first feature film he's doing. Like, that to me is just phenomenal Um, and really And he's just Paul.
0: He's just a regular dude. He's
1: just a regular guy. (laughs) He's just a regular guy. (laughs) Um
0: but that that did prove something we've said before. Sorry to interrupt your no, train of thought there. But the fact that like Hollywood so often wants to just have the most handsome, most perfectly um symmetrical features in their actors, right? But this guy comes along, he's very normal looking, got a bit of a big nose, yet because of that he is so much more magnetic than just another handsome fella, you know?
1: Yeah. And I think it lends himself to be able to playing regular normal people, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Connell and Marianne. Good feel... joke. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Connell and Marianne feel very lived in and like people we could meet along the street any day, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and same as as Callum in this, like he's just completely. I'm just saying, sorry everybody, that Paul was in The Lost Daughter with Olivia Colman. The Maggie. I never saw it, like but he did. I need to go back and figure out where he was in that because that's just completely thrown me for a loop.
0: Well, wow.
1: This isn't his first feature film. It's his first lead feature. Yeah. Mm. Um, my apologies. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. more we can say about this film money because it's kind of a hard one to explain without having seen it um i think there was certainly a sense of it evoked for me a, a lot of memories of the before series which i think later's series mm. where it sort of focuses on these conversations or these interactions that two characters have with each other um nothing much happens plot-wise as we said but Oh, I'm just thinking that, that scene at the end at the airport where they say goodbye, I, yeah, that kind of wrecked me emotionally, um, <laughs> knowing, you know, above the text that that's the last time they ever saw each other. Um, and, you know, camera in hand, off they go in completely opposite directions toward, toward their fate. Um, also reminds me something interesting that Charlotte Wells was saying that, you know, she is obviously a director and has wanted to do that from a very young age. And she um, first started doing that through these like, camcorders, right? These held mm. video things. Um, and she was saying that like it was it opened up a world of possibilities to her. Like you can film things. This is amazing and whatever. And she said handing it to Frankie Corio on set though, Frankie felt really restricted by that technology because she's mm-hmm. growing up with phones and TikTok <laughs> and all those things. And she made a comment, I'm probably going to butcher it, that the very thing that allowed her to explore her artistic sort of desires limited Frankies and just an interesting way that we connect with creativity and, and how we express that in, in the, the art that we make, I think is a really interesting point. Um, yeah, that is
0: interesting in, in how yeah, the technology um informed the art and vice versa
1: yeah Mm. i I don't think paul is going to win the oscar for this i i i i think it will probably go to brendan fraser we're recording this after the sorry recording this before the oscars have been released um you'll be listening to this a long time after the oscars have happened but i think for sure this performance is worth a nomination absolutely um and if it were up to me he would be winning it but and also i think um Paul has said in interviews that this is such a difficult character to play because every scene he's in with his daughter, he's not being himself, right? He's packing down Mm -hmm. all his issues and trying to put on a brave face. And there's really only three scenes, 30 seconds each, where he has a chance independently to communicate to the audience what's actually going on. Um, There's that scene where he's brushing his teeth and he spits at himself in the mirror. At The scene where he's crying on the bed in solitude mm-hmm. what a difficult thing as an actor to do to be able to let us in in those tiny little moments that could have been nothing like how hard would that have been to do no
0: he's actually layering, layering his performance the whole time
1: the whole time
0: and then pulling it back briefly in yeah. those small moments and
1: showing you behind the curtain and then having to pack it away like i don't know i just feel like there are lots of easier roles that have I'm not necessarily comparing Brendan Fraser's role to this and saying it's easier, but he goes through Mm. the emotional beats on camera, on screen, whereas all of that stuff that um, Callum's character does is off screen. It's all off Mm. screen and he only has these little moments where we can connect with him to figure out what's actually going on. And often those scenes have absolutely no dialogue and yet we still pick up on the story. I just think that is like phenomenal acting from him and phenomenal direction from Charlotte Wells to be able to let us in that much and to have a performance connect with us that we don't really see much of him, you know? Mm. And I hope Frankie Correa has a very long and storied career because she is just absolutely tremendous. You know, I would have probably given her a nomination, to be honest, and I don't think that's so far-fetched to say because Anna Paquin won it when she was young.
0: Um oh, I think the little kids should have got the Oscars, as our friend Ian said, about Kramer oh, versus Kramer. Ian, yeah. Remember? Yeah. Oh, he's, he was right about this as well.
1: He was, yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she I mentioned to you, she has this really funny thing a couple times, but especially when she turns the camera on herself mm. during the opening sequence, and then mm. we see it again later, where she, like, darts her eyes around mm-hmm. after she said something a bit cheeky. Which is just like what one of our nieces does.
1: Yes, <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? The the but way you, that you like kinda, children pick up on the same yeah, ways to react to things. Yeah,
0: I know, but that would be, uh, be something really hard to like direct a child to do. Like, yeah, dart your eyes around and be cheeky. But that obviously I don't is think just she did. She I was encompassing. Yeah, exactly. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, she was just being the character. Like
1: a lot of a lot of that stuff wasn't directed. It was just. How, how did you feel about the karaoke scene? That's That scene's sort of been hailed around the internet as as the key core scene in this film and in their relationship. Mm. What was your reaction to that?
0: So Ellie's meant to think that he's, like, sort of going through a depressive moment then and he can't be there for her?
1: Yeah, perhaps. Mm. Like, there's how do just, you see it? I don't know. Like, I just perhaps, yeah, it's the limitations of his own psyche that prevents him from being able to engage with his daughter fully in that moment. But mm. um, I also think maybe there's a bit there to do with the um, dissonance between adults and children and what each thinks is important. Like mm-hmm. for her, that is obviously a really defining moment of their relationship when he didn't come down and sing with her and let her sing in front of a bunch of strangers and, and didn't support her. Um, mm. But to him... I don't know if he even recognised that that would have meant anything to her.
0: Mm. No, it was it was very uncomfortable. Yeah. But I, I could kind of see him. I think he was grappling with so much at that point. He's like, I, I can't deal with this right now. And then after that, he has to go off and be by himself. He runs into the ocean.
1: Yes. So and He comes back. But... That was the other thing I was going to ask you. Hmm. Do you think he died then? Do you think he went to the ocean? And everything after that was a projection? Hmm. I don't know. Because obviously, like, there's a lot of, you know, themes we could draw from that, being reborn um, from water hmm. is a pretty common theme, you know, escaping, obviously. He needed to spend some time on his own. But he goes there at night into this, like, raging sea hmm. of darkness again. And yeah, the next, he next he time we see him,
0: depression. he's just he just sits back in bed. He is. Mm.
1: but I think maybe that's like, I don't know whether that's what what Charlotte was trying to say, but Mm. um, I do like perhaps the inconsistency between memories. Like Mm. I think if you think about your childhood, sometimes you'll be like, I remember this bit happening, but then I also remember this, and I'm not sure that those two things line up because how could I have been there at that time when I was Mm. there? Um, And I think maybe that's an example of this is like, well, did did he do this then, or oh, I can't quite remember which day he came could first. Have the, could which, have been a
0: different trip. Could yeah. have been a
1: completely different trip. Could have could have, yeah, happened on yeah. the on the last day. You know, could have been anything. There
0: are a lot of people I don't think I've necessarily gone through this myself, but I know people who said they have these memories and they talk to their parents about him and they're like, no, that didn't happen to you. It happened to your brother, but yes. they've taken it on to themselves. You know, so there's a real, and that's that really hard to think about the fact that. It, memory is so unreliable. When that is like the one thing we have to we have to rely on, on our lives, okay. the things that we've done and the things that we think and did, things that we probably can't remember very well.
1: Yeah, it's weird, isn't Bizarre. it? Bizarre. And right. then I think I think you mentioned at the beginning. There's that other level to the fact that she was filming this trip, so she does have, you know, mm. semi objective snapshots. But even then, film isn't the thing. Mm-hmm. Film is an interpretation of the thing. Um. Mm. There's that lovely shot where it's the reflection of the TV.
0: Yes.
1: As they're as they're filming, which just a beautiful choice to make, I think. Um, yeah, and about about Sophie's desire to control the narrative in mm. how she's filming this trip, and the fact that Callum just can't come to the table. Totally. He doesn't want to be on camera. He doesn't want to be talking about all this. They have this weird, you know relationship which I think is there's a there's a particular kind of relationship that daughters have with their fathers where it's mm. distant to a certain extent more than their mothers perhaps um, I think a lot of fathers find it difficult to relate to little girls because they haven't felt what it's like growing up you know um, and I just I got the impression here in their relationship that yeah they know each other and they're friendly but they don't really spend any time together because she mostly stays with their mum. And so they sort of have this weird like moments where they're constantly like giving themselves to each other emotionally, but then pulling back because the other one's not quite ready. And then it's like, oh, okay, mm. okay, we, yep, we're hugging, and we love each other, I guess. Yes, we are family, but then we don't know each other very well. We don't know what we like, you
0: know. Yeah, the, that familiarity is yeah. not there. Which exactly. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't usually would go hand in hand with with love, but doesn't always, yeah. especially if you're not being around each other much yeah the other thing is that we have mentioned that adult sophie has a kid right so that's probably even yes. more so why it's on her mind this particular trip yeah. not that it would ever really go out of your mind in the circumstances described but yeah yeah that would be something that is front of mind for her biggest takeaway for me sine is mm-hmm. that you can never know your parents and you can never really know anyone else but your parents in particular of a huge mystery in everyone's lives aren't they
1: yeah i think you said um again at the beginning of the podcast that she's starting to realize some of these things sophie is i think that there's a point in your life where you realize oh our parents were just people like mm-hmm. us like we are now like they they were mm-hmm. doing this too that they, they didn't know what they were doing they didn't have this big grand plan they weren't mm-hmm. in control of everything you know, it's just, that's a really. At
0: this point in our parents' lives, they both had two kids, right?
1: Yes. Yes, they did. I've yeah.
0: got two podcasts.
1: <laughs> which aren't your babies. Is, so that. Which is
0: pretty sense. similar, but <laughs> not but, crazy yeah. thing, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's that
1: interesting thing. Where I think, you know, everyone realizes that in their teenage years that like oh, wow, these are just normal people who have their own flaws and their own issues and their own hang-ups and stuff. They haven't sorted Mm -hmm. out as well as much as no one knows what they're doing with parenting. No one knows. Um, I think Sophie is starting to experience that in this movie, this understanding that her dad's not who she wants him to be all the time.
0: And I will say that I think it's never been easy to be a parent, but it seems particularly difficult these days. Not that I am by myself, but... Just like, you know, the cost of living and the sort of world we're living in and, you know, the way that the internet has, has changed things so dramatically over the last 10 to 20 years, it feels like it's particularly difficult these days, you know, to be a parent. Think back, you know, not, not that our parent, parent necessarily had it very easy, but at least, you know, back 30, 40 years, you could buy a house for less than a million dollars and, yeah. you know, getting a, a job, a steady job that you sort of, Kept for a long time was a bit easier. You know, how many mm. short term contracts and casual gigs that people of our generation have yeah. have to have.
1: Yeah. Um, I think also, anyway, yeah, sorry. i just thinking.
0: you know, it's hard for, for children to understand their parents, but it's equally difficult for the parents to understand the children because mm. as much as we are all the same, we know each other, we've gone through so many the same experiences together, mm. you really can't ever walk in someone else's shoes to the same extent that you can your own. Yeah. So you liked it. How are you getting it? I liked it.
1: I really you liked, liked the movie.
0: It. You like you don't you don't mind Paul? Uh
1: yeah, I really like him as an actor. I, I'm not on the Paul, yeah, study hype train that everyone on the internet's on. Um, <laughs> I'm on the Connell yeah, study hype train, but mm. I think he is a phenomenal actor. Um, and he has very quickly become someone that I would actually make an effort to see everything he's been in because i just think he's he's brilliant um mm. i just I mean, it's funny to... he's yes, sorry
0: no. he's 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 just played um stanley kolowski in a streetcar
1: yes he did he was talking Which about that yeah that
0: very much fits i think yeah 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 and he's he's irish by the way in case you didn't know my he's people
1: Irish, yeah our people it's mine too. You always say my people. I've been <laughs> editing like free podcasts, and you're always like, "Oh, my brethren, my heritage." I have Irish heritage too, everyone.
0: Do you have as much as me?
1: No, I don't have as much as you. Well, Chapel is definitely get back English in line. Name.
0: <laughs> No, I could be English as well, but mainly Irish.
1: But yes, no, he he is, a, and yes, we should probably say that Frankie Frankie's Scottish, isn't she? Um, mm. I should probably check that before I say that. Yeah, no, I think she is. Um. Yeah, I just I just wanted to end on a couple of really nice um, quotes. Um, mm-hmm. One was from A.O. Scott from New York Times, who said the film was astonishing and devastating, um, and commended Charlotte Wells for very nearly reinventing the language of film, unlocking the medium's often dormant potential to disclose inner worlds of consciousness and feelings. It's much yeah. better put than what I was trying to say about <laughs> um, the gaps in the film being being the meaning. Yes. I
0: know, and just like the general fact that a lot of directors love them or hate them or, you know, they're doing the best job, but how many times do we just like point a camera at people talking? Yes. Yeah, this film never just does that. It's always, you really feel like there's someone who's in charge of what's happening on screen. And not every film has to be like that, so it's not like it's, this is the best film ever and everything else is terrible for not doing that, but... It, it definitely works here. Yeah.
1: It's completely a unique way of viewing it. Actually, it's interesting. I was just thinking about um we saw the Farewelllands recently and we've done a podcast on on that. Obviously, we're not going to spoil that too much, but it's about Steven Spielberg's childhood. It's a sort of reimagining of that. Compare mm. that film to this film and how different they are in in the way of capturing moments. Like Mm. Um, Spielberg's film is a very, like he's written out particular scenes and this is what happens in this scene and this scene is when my mum had the affair and this scene is when this and
0: happens. I will stage the hell out of it.
1: And I will stage the hell out of it and I will recreate yeah. these sets exactly as I yes. remember them. The and camera will
0: move here and do this. It will follow these guys around walking around. and Yeah. It's all good stuff, but. Yeah,
1: exactly. But what a complete opposite approach, right? Mm. Like this is more about taking snapshots of moments and more about capturing a feeling than it is about capturing specific events mm-hmm. that happened but in saying that it does highlight specific events that happened the night where she couldn't get back inside you know her first kiss um all of these very important like integral experiences she had to do with her father and then the layer on top of that 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 um Fet the famous doesn't have is that we see adult sophie reflecting on this and and grappling with still how to interpret that relationship with her mm. father years later after he's he's been dead for a long time, you know. Um, I just think it's really interesting that we have two films out sort of at the same time about child, their childhood and mm-hmm. yet totally different approaches to filming it.
0: Now, when you think about it, a lot of filmmakers are just trying to grapple with their childhood.
1: I mean. Let's, let's say trauma, yeah. issues. <laughs> Isn't all art though? Isn't all art yeah, trying basically. to figure out? life and the mm-hmm. world and our relationships in
0: mm-hmm. it. one thing i want to end on scenario i think mm. we're wrapping up now yeah i didn't know what after sun meant as a term right are you familiar with it
1: um no yes maybe remind it's me it's
0: a product applied to the skin after exposure to the sun
1: oh yes after sun spray yes i do know that so yeah. when
0: you've been like sunburn you put yes. this on you
1: yes
0: and yeah, ah, I didn't make the connection right? between. Yeah, Yeah. Okay. she's had that. Yeah. And she's obviously, because we're in the holidays and we're at the beach and stuff, but also, yeah, it's after like you've self... had something traumatic happen,
1: yeah. how do you try and,
0: how do you, what can you do to sort of work on that? Is the sound, making,
1: making the movie perhaps?
0: The movie is the after sun, yeah.
1: Oh, Charlotte, wow, you've really effed me out with this one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, um, are you going to go see it again six times? I'm
1: definitely going to go go see it in the cinema again. Yeah, I really loved it. I thought it was really beautiful. Yeah,
0: just to be clear, are you asking me to also do that or are you just doing it by yourself?
1: I'm not asking you to go see it again. I'm happy to go see it on my own by myself.
0: Okay, it's on the podcast, so... I think that's pretty clear. I like that. Could you put that in writing in a stat deck as well, please?
1: (laughs) Classic you, though. I booked the tickets (laughs) to the thing that we were talking about. Thumbs up. Emoji. Uh,
0: yeah, good luck to you Sine nice good nice
1: good job that's exciting for you hope you have a wonderful time I don't have anything to do with this it. it's not like a co-host a movie review podcast with you at all and it's not like we'd cover it on the, on the pod I had to well, wait like a month for you to see this film you know how long I've been waiting
0: oh. I saw it as I said I would
1: yes you <laughs> eventually see it Yes. alright rating time
0: why don't you go first?
1: Five out of five. <laughs> Perfect film, actually. Perfect film. Yeah.
0: I'm going to give it four and a half stars out of five today.
1: Take me through your deduction, please.
0: <laughs> I'm thinking that maybe it was a little bit repetitive in parts. Like, I like the strobe rave scene, right? Yes. But I feel like it happened a few times. It did. But I didn't get more each time. It just kind of repeated a bit.
1: Fair.
0: Yep. And I think that maybe some of the things, like the snapshots of them on holidays. Um, and I, again, I think I liked it all, but at a certain point I was kind of like, okay, we're just doing this snapshotty stuff. Maybe there's too many. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That said, as I said before,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I was very worried for the little girl, but knowing that she's relatively okay in those, yeah, not not okay overall, but you know, not in imminent danger in those scenes, I might be able to relax a bit, so maybe that might have changed yeah. my, my my viewing it's of those psychologically scenes.
1: Psychologically damaged, but not in any situation that's very dire or violent or confronting.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Mm. Okay. So yeah. You can okay. Be wrong. Well, that's fine being do I have
0: to watch Normal People? Is that the next thing I have to watch on my list?
1: <sighs> looks too sad. It is very sad, but it's only sad in certain moments, and okay. it's. The most perfect show ever made?
0: If you really think it's the best show ever made, you have to watch it.
1: Yeah. I don't know if you're going to interpret it in the same way that I interpreted it, though. Mm.
0: But he's mean the Daisy.
1: <sighs> is he, though? <laughs> yeah, he is in that moment.
0: You're very much on Paul's side yeah, on everything.
1: I'm no, I'm also on Daisy's side. I love Daisy. You know I would see anything mm. with Daisy. I need to see her film with Sebastian Stan. I'm interested in that even though it looks... Mm,
0: I'm keen on Under the Banner of Heaven as well, which he's in.
1: Absolutely. We need to watch that as well. I'm going to write that down right now.
0: Okay. Um, Well, maybe I need to build myself up for normal people.
1: I just think I was dreading it in the same way that you were, but it's not, you know, 12 episodes of Doom and Gloom. Right. There is light and shade and there are particular moments that are heartbreaking, but it's not the whole time.
0: A friend of the show, Lisa, also mentioned how good it is and she's been telling me to watch it, so.
1: It's a coming-of-age thing, Lonnie. You love coming-of-age.
0: I do know. It's set in a college, which is my sort of domain.
1: Well, it starts at high school and then they go to college, Yeah.
0: Oh, bloody hell, even better. Yep. Paul, Daisy, Irish, my people. But it looks sad, I don't know.
1: <laughs> well, right. maybe you'll watch it seven times.
0: If I watch it seven times, I'll do a podcast on it, retroactively looking back at okay, it. Okay,
1: so we're never going to do that then because you're never going to watch a show seven times. What do you reckon the most you watch the a show is? I don't know. I've
0: watched some seasons of shows probably more than the whole show, you know?
1: Yeah, fair. Breaking Bad I've I watched a, like three times, I think.
0: Twice with you. Once with you, once without you. Okay. Um, Something like, you know, early seasons of Scrubs, when we, until we had on DVD, just watch it over and over.
1: Yeah. How do we do that to ourselves community
0: i don't know we just did. We did nothing
1: so have you have you never watched a full series all the way through more than twice
0: i don't know maybe because
1: i feel like i've done that a lot vampire diaries i've seen probably four times all the way through maybe five <laughs> gray's anatomy i certainly have seen at least three times all the way through
0: the whole there's been like 20 seasons
1: up to a point i, I stopped after yeah. about season seven Okay. But I'm saying I watch seasons one to seven over and over. And to be fair, that's probably a b- bigger accomplishment than normal people because normal people's one season. Of True. episodes, And they're short episodes. Well,
0: my thing more recently, I say recently, the last 10 years, mm-hmm. has been watching stuff I've previously watched by myself, watching that with you. So that's probably what's been happening. I see. That's in my, my multiple goes.
1: I'm going to show you the... Movies that I've watched on my own.
0: <laughs> well, we've got a huge back catalogue, everybody. This is our first Paul Mescal joint, and it's Charlotte Wells' first film. So we don't have those, but whatever comes next, we will be watching. Mm-hmm. I do know that looking just at Paul's Wikipedia sonate, in the yes, upcoming yes. films, they all look wonderful.
1: I know, right? Okay, let's, let's do this. So we have... Okay. Um, God's creatures, I really want to see because Emily Watson, isn't it? It
0: looks scary, but yeah, it looks scary. Looks but tense, um, I mean. It's
1: Paul, so I am going to see mm-hmm. it. Carmen is musical, yeah,
0: and it's got Melissa Barrera, who I really like. She's from Scream and also from From Um In the Heights. In
1: Abs the girl, Heights. remember her? Can we talk about the fact that an upcoming British fantasy drama film directed by Andrew Haig, starring, <laughs> wait for it. Andrew Scott, Claire Foy, Jamie Bell, and Paul Mescal. I am going to be that opening day for that one. Oh, my gosh.
0: And it looks like they might be gay together in
1: that, uh, which is cool. I don't know why I got excited about that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you are a yes daddy, Paul no, and Andrew Scott. I
1: think to Andrew, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I clearly have a type. All these men are, like, what, Irish, Irish English? Pale, dark dark hair. hair. (laughs) I'm just saying. (laughs) I have a type, clearly.
0: Fire looks really good too. Garth Davis, Australian director. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he's in the Merrily We Roll Along, which is going to be filming over 20 years. Richard Linklater.
1: Oh, my God. Is it really? Yeah. And what, we're starting it now.
0: It's going to come out in
1: 2039.
0: (sighs) They started in 2019.
1: Am I going to be alive in 2039?
0: I think so. I'm just totally. saying, like,
1: it just seems a long way away.
0: It's only 20 years away,
1: less than. Also, was he a part of that base, like from 2019, or is he yeah. just brought in? So what? Richard found him first before, before normal people and everything.
0: Seems like it, yeah. Well, well, Blake Janna was in it and he got kicked out because he's apparently not very nice. So okay, maybe he, he came likes. a little bit later. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. We can maybe stop the podcast and just talk about Paul. Okay. We'll just <laughs> continue our,
1: our conversation off-pod. <laughs>
0: um, thank you very much for listening. Go back and back. Catalogue a whole lot to, to um, go on, especially Oscar season. A little while ago now, but, you know, a lot of films to talk about. Um, yeah. After some. Go see it. Sine is telling you to, go everybody.
1: and see that movie. Be prepared <laughs> to cry.
0: Yes. Bye. By the way, oh, bye. See you. (laughs) Bye.
1: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweaters starting at fifty dollars, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus.